your one stop for exclusive interviews. I'm joined by University of Central Oklahoma quarterback commit Cooper Wilcox. Cooper, thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Man, really, the culture that the coaches show as soon as you walk in the doors, they make you feel like your family. They make it feel like a, a healthy environment to come and play football. I'm joined by University of Central Oklahoma senior H-back Dante McGee. Dante, thank you for taking time this morning to talk to me. This is honestly a once-a-lifetime thing, you know. Usually you get your five years and you're done, but you know, you get an extra year of play. I was like, you know what, I, I want to come back. I want to spend another year with these guys. Game press conferences. I didn't really like my first read, so I was just went to playmaker mode. Game previews, recaps, brought to you by me, your host, JG Smooth. You're listening to The Cho Show, only on the Suave Report. Good morning, afternoon, evening, night, whatever time it might be. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Show Show Podcast presented by TheSwallReport.com. I'm your host, Jonathan Goto, a.k.a. J.J. Smooth. We are back. I hope you all enjoyed the Peyton Scott one-on-one. Again, I really enjoyed talking to Peyton, especially seeing how he's a fellow Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Always good to have one of those on the show. But we have another coach here, someone that has actually agreed to come on at something like last month, but was in Carolina with the Panthers as part of the Bill Walsh diversity internship. I mean, this is his second time doing it, his first time with the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, and I'm really excited to bring uh, this coach on because he's at a key position on the defensive side of the ball that definitely needs to see more consistency. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and bring him on now. I'm joined by University of Central Oklahoma defensive backs coach uh, Adam McGuire. Coach, thank you for taking time to talk to me this evening. Uh, Could you start by telling the listeners and viewers a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so um, obviously, first and foremost, thanks for having me on. So I was born in Baytown, Texas, that's southeast of Houston. And so I do claim to be a Houstonian. Um, The reality is anybody that doesn't know the Houston area doesn't know where Baytown is. So (laughs) I just claim Houston. Um, Born and raised there. Went to play college ball at Texas Lutheran University. Uh, Was a four-year later there. Traveled all four years on all four special teams for all four years. My last two years um, was a starter, um, all-conference player, um, won two conference championships, went to the playoffs for the first time in school history. And so that's kind of my playing career. I actually went the corporate route when I first got out of college. Um, tried to give that a shot. I was actually thinking about going into coaching, um, and I had some people talking to me about coaching, but then somebody offered me a job that was guaranteed. And so I went ahead and signed that paper and moved on and got that check. <laughs> um, I ended up going into coaching two years later, started at Trinity University, was there three years, um, went to TCU for another two. And then now here I am in, in Edmond, Oklahoma. Now, you mentioned you you were a four year letterman. Not, not everybody can, can can say that. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you kind of look back on that aspect of it, uh, what, 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 what does that mean to you to kind of to, to know you were a four year guy? Um. To me, it was important. Um, one because as a as a young man that was on his own for the first time um, in a new environment, you know, I came from the big city and now I'm in small town Seguin, Texas. Um, it was something to keep me focused on what I was really there for, and that was to get a degree. I enjoyed playing football. I loved playing football. Um, honestly, I only went to college because I had an opportunity to play football. But at the end of the day, I knew it was an opportunity to get a degree. So the fact that I was um, getting some playing time, um, it gave me something to continue to work for because it gave me 
um, that itch to get on the field more until. And so I did the special teams role for a couple of years and then finally got my shot to be a primary defensive player to your starter. And again, it just kept me engaged. And, and I mean, I got to play football and that's really what it came down to um, is I had an opportunity to go play football in practice. And, and it means something to me at practice and not just, you know, about the coaches selling about work hard and you'll get there one day. I was like, well, hell, I'm, I'm going to at least go on special teams this Saturday. So, you know, I'm <laughs> I got something to really work for. I got to make sure I don't get embarrassed. So it was good. Uh, and, and that's something that I feel like a lot of people don't kind of re- well, don't really realize the importance of special teams. So just, you know, knowing that was your role for a while, like what, how, like what, what was that? What was that pride like uh, that you took going into that special teams role? Um, Honestly, I took a lot of pride in it. So the, Number one, the primary reason I started is because I will, we ran a pro style punt um, and I was the left wing and there was nobody better than me at the left wing. And I never let anybody through at left wing. As, even as a true freshman, they'd have older guys go, uh, go up against me. And I was, hey, man, my kick step was phenomenal. My inside hand with my outside, you know what I mean? Like I was, I was just good at it. <laughs> and so I took, I, I took a lot of pride in it because then it became my position. It was just like this is going to be my position for four years. Um, and then I started getting opportunities on like punt return and then on kickoff. And, you know, that was still before they were calling targeting calls. So I was ruthless on kickoff. Uh, <laughs> hey. Hey. But then uh, punt return, you know, I had an opportunity. I, could, I was one of those back row guys. I was never the returner returner, but I was that guy that if they were going to sky kick. You know, I had a chance to go return the ball. And so um, it was also good for me because I got to feel a part of the team, uh, which I felt a part of the team. But I'm saying I had an actual important role on the team. And I knew I had opportunities to continue to learn and grow and build the trust of the staff. And again, I, I took pride in it because I knew I had a lot of buddies that were not going to play on Saturdays that weren't even going to travel. And I knew I had a chance to, and I, I wanted to make sure that I went out and took advantage of my reps. And it helped that I had some buddies that, that kind of got the same opportunity. One of my really good friends from college, um, he's actually coaching the NFL. Now me and him, we were like the two freshmen that were on every special teams and we would have competitions as to who was getting to the ball first, who was going to grade out the best. And so, um, again, I, I took a lot of pride in it and, it and it was really important to me. And again, it helped me knock off some of that catching up to the speed of the game um, early on in my career. Now, you mentioned that you probably would have had some targeting calls. So I have to ask in a rough estimation about how many games would you have been kicked out of for targeting in your career? Oh, I'd have been kicked out more games than I played. That's... But I mean, that was, that was just how we were planted at the time. It's not like, you know, they made the rule and I said, forget it. I'm gonna do it anyways. You know, it wasn't, they didn't put that rule in place till later on in my career. And, um, at, I mean, honestly, that's how I was brought up to tackle when I was a little kid. They said, Hey, put your, put your crown of your helmet into his face mask. And so as bad as it is now, <laughs> it's bred into me. So, uh, okay. So you, you go from special team or then you end up being a team captain. So what, what, what did being a team captain mean to you? Um, and I'm not trying to be cliche, but it, it honestly meant the world to me. Um, and I say that because even though I was getting playing time at a young age and I had athletic ability at a young age, I was very immature. Um, you know, I worked as hard as I felt like working. I didn't work hard all the time. You know what I mean? Like I thought things were owed to me. Um, I wasn't always the best teammate and looking back on it, I was the teammate I did not want by the time I was graduating. Um, but I was also like, I still had so much in me. And I think that's, you know, part of my coaching journey. Like I know there's kids like me that 
maybe know better, but don't do better because they just need a little more guidance or never been shown better, but they still have it in them to be better. You know what I mean? And so for me to be voted a team captain, it was honestly an emotional moment for me because I knew where I started and to show that growth and for them to say, Knight, no, that's a guy we want to lead our team and be an example and be, you know, the face of our team. Um, it meant a lot to me because it also said a lot about how I've grown over those four years. Uh, and, and looking back at that, like in, in, in what what area or aspect do you kind of see the most growth in? Um, honestly, I think it's just about my overall selflessness. Um, I think I just thought a lot about just me. If I didn't want to do something, I wasn't going to do it. Like if someone upset me, I was going to make it very known. Um, and I was very verbal about somebody upsetting me. Um, um, and, and even at times on the field get overly physical because somebody upset me and I, you know, the coaches were just another guy on the field. Like I talked to them however I wanted to, you know what I mean? If I got to a point where I was, um, angry. And so I think it just took time for me to just step back and just reflect, um, on who I want to be, how I wanted my life to uh, be led. Um, and a part of that was just, you know, figuring out, you know, my faith walk in college. That was a huge part of my journey in college. And I think that part, you know, just learning about, you know, the Bible and being selfless and what a true servant leader looks like. I think as I started to digest those things, it's made me really look at, OK, this is the complete opposite of how I'm leading my life. This is everything I say I want in life, but it's nothing like I'm leading in life. And so um, it just really and it was really after my sophomore year um, when I really just felt like I hit rock bottom that I just finally was just like, I'm just going to go and work and I'm going to be a good teammate and whatever happens, happens. Um, Cause I was not scheduled to be the starter going into my junior year. You know, I was, I was a solidified backup and I was going to be a special teams guy. And it was, I mean, they told me that like, that's going to be your role. So just embrace it. And thankfully I had matured at this point and I was like, yes, sir. You know, I'm just, I'm going to be the best teammate I can be. I'm going to enjoy this time as a football player while I can. And, um, and I'm just going to be a good teammate and work hard and, and push others to work hard as well. And things just all of a sudden, it's just funny how it happens. Things just all of a sudden started lining up. Whenever I changed my attitude, whenever I started being a better teammate, whenever I started working hard, whenever I started putting the team first, um, everything started working out for me before you know it, I'm a starter. Right. Um, and so it, I just, I had to stop looking at myself and everything I thought that I deserved without putting any work into it to deserve it. I just thought I deserved it because I thought I deserved it. Um, and I just really started working and started buying into what what they were telling us. Um, and again, just changing my mindset and just everything just ended up working out for me. Uh, and then in, in 2014, you all made your first ever uh, playoff berth. Uh, knowing you were a part of that historic moment, historic team, looking back, what 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 does that what does that also mean to you? Um, that was huge for us. Uh, not only because it was just a historic mark, like obviously we knew it was historic, um, but, you know, as football players, as athletes, as competitors of any kind, you think you're going to win it all every year. Like you just go into it with that on your mind. Um, but what, so when I first got there, we were five and five. That was my first year. And we had just got a new coaching staff like a year or two before I got there. And we were five and five, but we were a bad five and five team. Like we could have just as easily been three and seven. Um, going into my sophomore year, we were four and six, but we, just as easily could have been seven and three. Like we went into an overtime uh, game with a top ranked team, double overtime with another top ranked team. Um, excuse me. We, I mean, we were going toe to toe with some teams that are nationally ranked on offense. And so we knew it was like our record does not show the team that we are. 
And so, I mean, we just went freaking full throttle ahead, um, foot on the gas, just working, 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 working. And so that next year we go eight and two, I believe it was eight and one, eight and two. Uh, we had a game canceled because of weather. It's a non-conference game and we didn't make the playoffs and we, we were pissed. We were like, we worked really hard. We went toe to toe with everyone. You know what I mean? And, and we just felt like we deserved it. And then with the next year, we go nine and one and we make it to the playoffs for the first time ever. Um, and it was as, as much as we were excited about the playoff game, it was the journey that got to that point that we were most proud of. And I heard a coach say that one time. He was usually a coach or player. They talk about, you know, the rings, the championships they are awesome, but they're only awesome because you reflect on the journey to get to that point. And I and I. I understood what he meant in that moment. Um, I knew where we started with a bunch of knuckleheads. Uh, we were just a young team full of knuckleheads. I just like playing football. And by the end of it, we were an older developed team that loved each other. You know what I mean? And so it's when we lost in that playoff game, we lost 28, 21 um, in a, in, in a late touchdown that they scored against us. Um, you know, we cried tears because we wanted more for each other because we know how far we came. But for, for that school, for our, for our university, it was huge. Because Texas Lutheran, whenever it was still Texas Lutheran College, they won national championships when they were in NIA. You know what I mean? And then the team went away, and they came back as Division Three, I believe, in the 90s. Um, and so, again, just to get to that point again, to see that it was capable, because we were not considered a good program. People didn't think you'd go win there. And for us to do it, it just showed that, again, the hard work, um, the buying in, the togetherness, all those things that seem cliche in the sports world, when you actually apply them and they're in action, then the results will still follow. And so, and we, we did have some good football players. So, (laughs) (laughs) so, uh, so you, your, your playing career, it ends on a, on a pretty high note, given, you Mm -hmm. know, what, what that hired. And then you mentioned you went into the corporate world. So then how do we go from playing to then going to the corporate world? So (sighs) I was thinking about going into coaching uh, I didn't know if I didn't know if that's the route I want to take, but I knew it was something that I was very interested in. Um, but the flip side of that is I always thought of it as if I don't do it, I could go back to it. So should I look into something else? Um, and I was getting a business degree. So, you know, of course, in my mind, I have to go apply my business degree because I just went to school for four years to get a business degree. I'm scheduled to graduate in May. Um, so I should probably go use it. Uh, and so I was debating on I didn't go student coach for the semester. I, I knew that I want to take a semester off. I didn't want to not from school, but from football. I was like, I just need a just a refresher. I just need to get away from it for a little bit. Um, but I was planning on possibly going to GA in. and a guy that I used to play with. So this talks about like, you know, the same feelings I had when I was the team cap voted team captain, the growth and maturity. A guy that I used to play with that honestly, we didn't get along when I was younger. He came back to school and he told me like a year earlier, he's like, man, I really pay attention to your growth and have you matured. And, you know, if, if you're interested in a year, I, I'm going to have a job for you. Literally a year on the dot, he came back. He's like, hey, you ready for that job? And I was like, uh, what is it? You know, of course, I'm used to making no money. So the money he told me wasn't a lot, but it also it's a lot more than I'm making. <laughs> and he was like, I'm going to be honest with you. I already talked to my director and he trusts me and the job's yours if you want it. You're still going to interview, but the job's yours. And so I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I want the job. And so, I mean, and again, it was, it was part of me just knowing my family dynamic and where I came from. I was like, I have a job at a huge company where I'm going to be making more than most of my family ever made in a year, possibly even two years. And I'm going to have a college degree. You know what I mean? And so I was just thinking about just 
all these different things outside of what I really want to do. But that part of that journey was important because I got to go there route and know that it's not what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so at, at, at what point did you realize that for whatever reason, or if you, even if you, you knew it deep, deep down, but what was that kind of that breaking point where it's like, okay, I might want to not do this forever and get into coaching. Well, I knew a few months in, I didn't want to do that forever. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it was it was for the birds. Um, so it, it's kind of funny. So like I always say, sometimes life calls you to where you're supposed to be. Um, and again, so like now, again, talking about how my faith was important to me or is important to me. Like now I know, you know, God, sometimes he plays, plants these little seeds for what's to come. And when I was in high school, um, I was getting ready to graduate. And I told my D.C. at the time, I was like, hey, so if I want to be a coach, will you hire me? He was like, yeah, I'll come hire you. And so I was like, okay, cool. So now I know I can be a coach if I want to. Like that, that was the thought process. Like, cool. I know I can come do coaching if I don't want to do anything else. Done. Moved on from it. Um, and so when I was in college, I started working at this uh, sports ministry. Um, it's called Stillwater Christian Ministries. They do Stillwater Sports Camp around Central Texas. Um, and I would volunteer there. I started volunteering there. And I got to go help with like football camps or whatever, because obviously I played football. So, like, hey, you help with football. Um, so I would do that and, you know, it was fun. It was cool. It was a bunch of little kids. Like you get to freaking hit them with bags. They think it's hilarious. Like <laughs> lay them through drills, like throw the ball, see if they can catch it. Um, <clears throat> but then I got to be like a coach of like a little seven on seven team out there. And this isn't one of those, like how they do the summer seven on seven team. It was literally like, there's like 40 some kids just break them up into teams. You're the captain of that one. And so we did that. And I got to coach those guys and like run an offense with them and run a defense with them and, and coach them up. And when they say they can't do something like getting them to, you know, believe in themselves and to, get, to go try to make a play. And, you know, I was coaching this kid on how to play quarterback and it was like nothing like extreme, it was like very simple stuff that I was just like, anybody that knows football can coach this. Um, and just seeing them have success and like be super appreciative. And it was, it was just this euphoric feeling. Um, and so it was kind of like another one of those times where I was just like, man, this, I've never felt anything like that other than playing. And so, you know, try, it was just this weird feeling. I was just like, man, that might be what I need to do. Um, and then so the head coach I ended up going to work for when I got out of college or when I got done with corporate, he was recruiting me to come help coach since I was going into my senior year of college. So he had been recruiting me for like two, three years to come work for him. And I kept turning it down. Um, and then finally, I was uh, I finally broke in. I was just and I didn't even ask him if the job was still there. I just asked him, I was like, hey, if I'm interested in getting a coach and what do you think I need to do? He's like, come by the office on Tuesday. We'll talk about it. I'm like, all right, cool. I go in there and I'm thinking, you know, again, I wasn't going to ask for the job because I turned him down like four times. Um, and so I get in there. He's like, OK, so this is how much I can pay you. This is what I think you'll be doing. Blah blah blah. And I'm just like, is he offering me a job right now? And it is <laughs> like, honestly, the interview had happened when, with us interviewing, like working with each other through camps and things like that. But I was like, hey, I'm a college coach. I didn't even interview. <laughs> and so. But again, I think those things happen for a reason. You know, I, I knew that guy for I still know him. He's a really good friend of mine and, and a mentor when I need him to be. Um, but I knew him for two, three years before I ever started working for him. You know what I mean? And so um, it just worked out. Ended up where I was supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> I 
And so what 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 would you say was the maybe the, the hardest part of the transition going from a player to a coach? Um I think I had to be more strategic in how how I got the same point across. You know, when you're a player, when you're a captain, honestly, you can say whatever and they're gonna listen because you go through it with them. Like you're in the trenches with them every day. You know, you're in the workouts. You have to get up at 530 every day with them. Um, they see you run your your hands on the line as well to go run that gas. Or like they when you're doing it every day with them and, and you're putting a leadership leadership position and you're um, displaying all the qualities that that they say need to be you know displayed in the program. They'll listen to you because he's not just yelling to yell. He's not just getting on to me. Like he's leading by example. He's doing everything that that we say we want to do. He's he's displaying that. But as a coach, you know, coaches sometimes yell just for the sake of yelling. Like that's just how some people communicate. Like, you know, it's like, why are you yelling? He's like, oh, he's just talking. Like he, he's not even yelling. That's just how he talks. <laughs> and so um, you just have to figure out a different different what you have to figure out how you want to get the message across in a different way. And I was still young enough to where that was like a struggle. But the fact that I had done corporate for two years, I had already had to learn that skill because you go from team captain, there's a hundred plus, excuse me, males in here and they'll respond a certain way to now you're in a corporate environment where there's not only males that maybe never play sports, but there's females. And so through that two year span, I had to learn how to communicate different to get things done. Um, whether it be things that aren't getting done right or things that I think are getting done right. And so whenever I went into coaching, I had already had some of that training on how to communicate differently than a football player will. And so now I got to even add a little bit more aggression, a little more of that rah-rah to it um, at times. But again, I was speaking to them from a more corporate perspective or from a more corporate demeanor where, again, it was just a lot less aggressive and in your face. It was more about getting the message across as efficient as possible and let's move on. And so that was that was tough. That was probably the toughest part, because, again, like where I went to work my first job, I had friends on that team because Trinity University and uh, TLU are only about 40 minutes away. So I had buddies like legit. I'd spent a lot of time with on the team. And so. Um, honestly, that was outside the communication piece. That was probably one of the toughest parts because like I had to tell friends like, hey, you can't be coming over to the house like you were before. Like I can't, we can't be buddy buddy out here. Like I'm I'm a coach here. Um, and I mean, they they understood and I kind of made it known early. So um, that was probably harder than just the, the getting back into it. Parts like, hey, I know we're friends. I know you've been to my house multiple times, but it's all stops now for the next two years till you graduate. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, and, and during during your time there, at Trinity, uh, you were what assistant DB coach, was receivers coach, was DB coach, special teams. So, how did wearing all those hats, learning all those different types of of uh, positions and and schemes and stuff, how how has all that you think uh, helped you so far grow as as a coach? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I was never a receivers coach, but whenever I would work summer camps with him. Um, at that same camp that I was telling you about, I would work as a receivers coach also because we do like an offense defense session. I was both, but I never worked receivers officially. Um, it was, 
I mean, it took time to grow and I think it was a very comfortable environment. Um, and I don't mean that in a negative way. They were just all so willing to teach me because I showed early on that I really want to be a coach, that I was willing to go wherever for an opportunity to be a coach. Um, and I want to be the best coach and teacher that I could be. Um, my first year, I had a very limited role. It was, it was very similar to a GA. Um, I was doing a lot of breakdown, getting stuff done around the office. Um, and I got to coach some, but I really didn't have a lot of coaching responsibility. Um, I had to run all the scout teams and then special teams, you know, our head coach was a special teams coordinator. So he'd sit down with me and talk through, you know, what we're doing, why we're doing it, um, and talking about the different looks we need from the spe- from the scout teams. And, <clears throat> you know, it was different than when I was at TCU. We didn't have five people out there getting the scout team right. It's me running around like a chicken with his head cut off trying to get everybody <laughs> right. And it's <clears throat> and again, the perk of it is you learn to communicate. It's like, hey, drop old 45 over your right shoulder. Pivot at 30, get the three. You know what I mean? So like you're yelling at people across the field and trying to give them in their their assignment. Um, and so that it's when I first started, it was a struggle. Cause I'm like, I don't even know these kids' names. I'm trying to get attention. I'm like, 29. Yeah, you turn around, uh, come over here, then get uh 13, you know. <laughs> And so there was a big learning curve as far as just figuring out how to get it all organized, just um, organizing the information in my head so that I could communicate it effectively. And so then as as the years go on, um, I was actually about to leave. There's an opening on staff. I asked if I could interview for it. He told me no. So then I told him, I said, all right, well, I'm interviewing. So I had flown to Montana. I was talking to somebody about a job in Washington. I was talking to a job somewhere else. And he realized, like, no, he's serious. Like, he's not doing this just because he wants to be around. He wants to go coach. So then he ended up moving some stuff around. He ended up hiring me full time um, as a DB's coach. And the guy who was a DB's coach is kind of like basically stepped back a little bit. Um, he's kind of teetering out to retire, but wasn't full on retiring. So it was nice because then I got to go on the road recruiting. I got to be a lot more involved in, you know, the the schematics part of it um, and learning from that perspective. And, and honestly, the guy that I was working for um, started teaching me how to be a coach. He'd get me on the board. He'd ask me questions and it was, I mean, I made the mistake of wearing some gray slacks one day and they were dark gray by the time it was over with. Cause I was sweating, man. He had me nervous. Cause I'd be like, all right. So this guy, he said, Nope. Who's this guy? And I was like him. He was like, him doesn't mean anything to a kid. And so he's making me go through like in-depth details of how to install, how to talk about the offense, how to talk about what we're trying to get accomplished, the communication. And he was like, I should be able to put my head down and you be able to teach this. And I still know what my job is. And I was like, all right. <laughs> um, and so, I mean, it's and again, as the years go on, you you just continue to sharpen those tools and you learn and you learn and you learn. And, and, and ideally, I mean, if you're trying to be a good coach, you're always critiquing yourself. And so year one was fun because looking back on it, because it was just I had no idea what I was doing. I just really want to get it right. Um, and then seeing to year three when I left there, just knowing the growth that had happened in that time frame. Uh, and then what 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 led you to eventually uh, move on to TCU? Um, well, one, Trinity University was an awesome school. Still is an awesome school. Like most of that staff is still there. Um, I still keep in touch with everybody on that staff. Um, San Antonio, Texas is a great place to live. Um, it was honestly, I could have I could have easily never left. Um, I think for me, I was still young enough. Um, it's still so wet behind the ears that I wanted to see something different. I wanted to experience different things because I knew 
Like we were always going to be simple on defense and just teach, you know, effort and pursuit and leverage and things like that. Um, and I just, I just wanted to push myself outside of my comfort zone. And I think that was a big part of it is I realized I'm really comfortable here and I can stay here forever. I need to go see different things um, because my goal one day is to be a head coach. And it's like, OK, if I only see one style and only deal with these same issues, how am I getting prepared for when my opportunity comes? Or am I even preparing myself for that opportunity? Because um, Trinity University is a very high academic school. I mean, we they still camp every year with the Ivy Leagues and Rice University and that they have those similar requirements to get in. So you deal with a lot less issues with kids that are getting recruited by the Ivy Leagues. And so, you know, it's I'm the academic liaison here and, you know, we deal with more issues than we did at Trinity. You know, we may be three or four kids that are struggling, whereas, you know, most of the kids here didn't get recruited by Harvard. <laughs> and so, you know, sometimes there's a bigger learning curve. And so, again, I just wanted to to push myself outside of my comfort zone and go see some different things and see how other people teach. Um, see how other people, you know, perceive information, how they get across information, different schemes. Um, and so, again, yeah, I, I really just want to push myself out of my comfort zone and, and see some different things and meet new people. And, and what was your experience like at TCU learning under Coach Patterson and his staff? Um, well, one, I, I realized how much I do not know about the game of football <laughs> working for Coach Patterson. Um and, and even going there, I, I was not naive enough to think that I was just I was there. I never thought I had arrived and just knew everything. But getting in there, there's sometimes we'd be sitting in meetings. I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. It was just completely <laughs> over my head, um, which was a good thing because I went from incompetent to to eager to learn. Right. Because it's like, OK, I don't want him to keep saying this and me not know what it means. So I need to figure it out. Um, and so, I mean, I. It was a crash course on how to master the art of football. I mean, it's things that I never worried about before, about, you know, numbers in the run game with the secondary and leveraging the ball and things that, like things I just didn't think about at a deep level. Um, and so, I mean, it was, it was awesome. And he's, you know, whether you like it or not, he's still old school. So we worked long hours and we grinded and we always had something to do. And we was always around the players and, and doing a lot. And so it, it may, again, talking about pushing myself outside my comfort zone, which is what I was trying to do. I did. And he, he showed me, I have a lot more work capacity than I thought I did. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, but as far as the knowledge and the experience and the connections that I built from that, um, I mean, it's priceless. You know, that, that, that time there is, has helped molded me to get to this point. And, and honestly, it, it probably impact my career as long as I keep going. Uh, and then how do we go from from TCU to where you are now at UCO? Well, <clears throat> TCU is a great place. Fort Worth was a, uh, an awesome city so far. Edmond included. I've never worked in a bad city. Um, but for those that don't know, we got fired at uh, TCU. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, that I didn't really have a choice. But uh, so Coach Lechtenberg, our D.C., I've known him for, I'd say, four years now. So we met when I was still just getting into it. Um, when he took the job at Incarnate Word, our DC at the time at Trinity told me to reach out to him because he used to coach at Millsaps College, which is a, a rival in our conference. And so, you know, I reached out to him, just told him, you know, welcome to the city, wh whatever I said. I don't know. I just introduced myself. <laughs> he was familiar with us. He was very open, you know, connecting. Um, and then it's just funny because, you know, we would text every now and then, but not, you know, we weren't like 
best buds or anything like that. We weren't talking all the time, but I would go work their camps because they were just right across the street. Um, and so I worked at least two, three of their camps every summer. So I was always around. I've gone over there to clinic uh, with their DB coach that was there at the time. Me and him both spoke at a clinic in the Houston area because that's where we recruited. Um, and so we got to interact there. And we just always kept up with each other. And even when I went to TCU, we stayed in touch. And so um, when he got this job, it's funny. I have a cousin that was going to UCL at the time when I was at TCU. Um, and whenever I came out for the OU and, and Oklahoma State game, my uncle picked me up when we got lunch because it was late games. Excuse me. And we went and watched. Uh, he actually showed me the campus because we were close. Because I don't remember where we stayed, but we stayed somewhere close enough to where um, he could bring me by. And I was just like, man, this is an awesome stadium. This is an awesome campus. Like, if I have, I was like, I'm not being funny. Like, I'd work here. Like, this is a great place. And this is when I was still at TCU. And um, so whenever Coach Doral got the job here, I actually reached out to a coach that I worked with that knew him. was like, hey, if he doesn't have a DB coach he's bringing on, tell him I'd be very interested. So, like, I was already trying to get here with Coach Doral. And then Coach Lechtenberg, I thought was going somewhere else. Um, and he called me one day. I said, like, oh, man, I was Leck. You know, I called, answered the phone. He told me he just took the D.C. job here and was wondering if I was interested. And so, I mean, I was like, heck, yeah, I'm interested. Number one, it's a great place. Two, I'm jobless. <laughs> <laughs> when you're jobless, you can't be picky. Uh, but, no, I again, it was already a place I was very interested in. And so, you know, I, I, me and him just had conversations about, you know, this place and what the situation looks like and what he wants to do, you know, defensively and how he wants to run secondary. And um, we're on the same page and, and I got the job. Yeah, you got the job, I believe, early January. So there mm-hmm. was about a month, give or take, before signing day. And you went out and you got some pretty good defensive backs, uh, uh, Jalik, Curtis, Wakari, Aaron. What do you like about that group of defensive backs that uh, that, uh, that you were able to bring in? Yeah. Um, well, with Jalik, I'll admit it was an alley-oop because he came with relationship to the last staff. And so um, all I had to do is not mess that up. And so <laughs> and, and I'm glad um, he was always from the first time I met him, he's always well put together, um, super articulate, understands the game. He's a workhorse, super competitive. Um, which is for me, that's the number one thing I look for is how competitive a kid is, because if he's if he's a super competitive kid, he's going to put in all the work. He's going to put in the extra film time. He's going to take the coaching because he doesn't want to lose. He's going to do everything necessary to go win. And so that was good for me. And me and his dad hit it off when they came up here. So I just knew what me and his family and seeing him, I knew we were going to steal with that one. Um, and then with like the guys that we got out here in Oklahoma, whether it be. Aaron, you know, Curtis, uh, Makai, Jamori Ray. Um, I think a lot of the things that stood out to me was just their versatility as athletes. Um, coming from Texas, where I've always only recruited Texas, um, guys, you know, mostly play football. They may run track. They may play basketball. Um, and it's usually, but it's usually football and track, especially at the DB position. They're working their football skills and then they're running to be, get better speed because they all work with trainers in the off season and they all play seven on seven. So they go do their DB work all year round. They do track just to stay active and continue speed development out here. Um, you have to watch like with Aaron Hamilton, I was looking at running back film, quarterback film, basketball <laughs> film, good at track times. Um, you know, it, with Makai, same thing, you know, with, with the, the guys that we got out here, you're looking at more versatility. And so, Shoot, Coach Doral was going to basketball games for O-linemen. You know what I mean? Like, you get some of that in Texas, but for the most part, like, 
you you they're doing shot put or something off season. You know what I mean? And so it's I think that was the thing that I was most excited about is just nobody was just a football player. Um, everyone did so many different things. And I think that also was a good thing for me because they didn't really have a lot of time, most of them, for a lot of weight room development. And they, they most of them had like very short spring balls because they had to wait till sports were done. And so, you know, as you evaluate the film, you're looking at him and you're like, OK, so he was able to accomplish these things in these different sports. And he barely lifts weights except for the summertime when he's actually free from everything. Um, he doesn't have, you know, nutrition available to him all day, every day. He doesn't have just this fine tuning of his skills as a football player where he's doing that all day, every day and on weekends. And so imagine the ceiling for these kids when they get here. where We're having multiple meetings to you know, sharpen the mental game and getting them in the weight room and challenging them in different ways that they've never been challenged. And they got freaking a phenomenal cafeteria that we have here on campus um, and getting all you can eat. And if you ever go, I recommend the stir fry for the record. Um, <laughs> recruits, come check it out. But <laughs> Um, and so you look at those things, right? Again, when I'm in Texas, where I'm born and raised, I know if I get a kid from North Shore, right? I know it's a phenomenal program. They take weight room seriously. I know that they're the kids are going to be very well coached and they're going to be very tough, right? I know that from a football perspective. If they run track or do something else, cool. If not, like I still know what I'm getting. Out here, I had to learn. I had to be open minded. I had to go learn the the dynamic of the football scene in Oklahoma because I'd always heard football was good in Oklahoma, but I heard it from guys from Oklahoma. And if you're (laughs) in it long enough, everybody thinks their state has the best athletes. So I was just like, okay, yeah, I'm sure Oklahoma has really good football players. (laughs) Um, But then when I get here, I'm like, I actually called two of my buddies and I was like, I have to apologize. Oklahoma (laughs) has some talent. And they was like, I told you, I told you. Now, when you, I guess, so what, like, what what were some of your, I guess, preconceived notions that you had about Oklahoma high school football compared to the football in your home state of Texas? Um, I don't even know if I really had any. Because, again, everywhere I've been, we just primarily recruited Texas. Like, even at TCU, like, we recruited the top players in Oklahoma. You know what I mean? So I never really paid attention to the recruiting scene. Um, or what high school football looked like in Oklahoma because we talked to the top five guys out of Oklahoma. You know what I mean? I, I watched their film and I was done. You know, I, I never really had to go and watch film of We Woke a High School and I never had to go look at all these different places. You know what I mean? And so um, I didn't know where Westmore was or Moore or Lawton or, or freaking Broken Arrow or Vertigris or Holland Hall or all these <laughs> other, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't know anything about them. So really, I just because they talk so much about it, I was just like, they obviously aren't that good because you keep trying to convince me that they are. (laughs) (laughs) But once I actually started like sitting down and watching, I was just like, there's some talent out here. Um, And so, I mean, I I just joked with them and told them there wasn't any talent out here without ever looking at it. You know, it's just like somebody that makes a statement. It's like, have you actually looked into that? No, I'm just saying it. (laughs) But. But no, and I think the I think the other thing is, and Coach Doyle talks about it all the time, is you get a lot of hardworking kids that do so much. I mean, we have kids that are you know went to a state wrestling tournament, kids that freaking build houses in Texas, kids that go uh, freaking hunt hogs with knives. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like 
people that legit go fishing, like they're out there in the water, you know, getting fit, you know. And so it's 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 kids that are, are tough. They they got a, a country backbone to them. They've done manual labor growing up. You know what I mean? And so um, it's just been really tough, disciplined kids. And so I, I think that's been honestly one of the, the refreshing things is a lot of these kids honestly are just happy to just do football. They don't have to go freaking tend to land or herd cattle or do all these different things. It's like, man, I can just do football and then go eat and then come back and do football. <laughs> uh, and, and when you're, when you're, when you're watching the film, when you're looking for a defensive back prospect, what, what are some of the things that are kind of must haves for you at that, at that group? Um, well, one, and I, and I kind of hit on it earlier. One of the things I do look for is I try to gauge how competitive you are on film. Um, and it, it takes – sometimes you got to watch it a few times, and you got to – sometimes I go and watch single games. Like, I will still go watch a whole game of an, of an athlete that we're going after and seeing how, how, he, how his motor is throughout an entirety of a game and seeing what he's doing the ball's not coming his way um, and seeing what he's doing. If he's playing receiver also, how's he playing at receiver when the ball's not coming his way? And so I do try to gauge those things. Um, I try to see how fluid a movement guys move with. Um, are they fluid in their hips? Do they get their feet in and out of the ground on their brakes? You know, when they move or when they change direction, is there a burst to it or is there kind of a lag, um, you know, like slow Wi-Fi, man? It's like it's never any good, right? You want it to be <laughs> moving quick, quick, quick. Um, and then guys that are just playing with, with the level of toughness that we want, right, whether that be willing to go tackle somebody. Um, knocking people backwards, guys that are manhandling receivers, guys that are, you know, on the perimeter as a receiver and they're blocking somebody and they're, you know, driving them downfield. You know, seeing things like that, guys that, again, that's what football players do. Anybody can go out there, throw on a uniform and be happy when they catch a couple of balls and run hard when they know the plays call it their way or when they know they're blitzing off the edge. Um, but it's the guys that are doing it every play and every snap. And you can see them just getting to the ball. Um, and then the other thing is just seeing who guys who have instincts, you know what I mean? Like there's guys that just find the way around the ball. If you're always around the ball in high school, you're going to be around the ball in college. Like it, it's just simple. Like it's, it's still the test of time. You don't all of a sudden just stop getting interceptions when you get to college <laughs> or stop freaking getting TFLs when you get to college. Like that's, that's just you as a football player. And so seeing guys that just understand the game um, and, and honestly, then the, obviously the next part is ver- verifying that in person when you get a chance. Uh, and then from from there, after you after you finished signing day, you moved on. You had yet spring. Uh, what what did you learn this this spring about the group that you inherited? Um, I learned that one they they love football and they love each other. Um, coming into it, when you look at the record of a team. When you look at the statistics of a team, um, you make assumptions of a team, right? And uh, one of the things that I told my unit, and I was very transparent with them, was one of the things that I was told when I took this job is the secondary um, was the weakest part of our defense. And I told them that. And I didn't tell them that first meeting. I told them that after two or three meetings. And, I, you know, it was. It, this is a little bit sidetracked, but I talked about what I expect as far as our culture and our expectation, our standards as a defensive back field. Um, and then about meeting two or three, I told him, I was like, now all the things are important because this is what I've been told. And so, I mean, they took it all to heart and they took it very personal. Um, and they, I mean, they've worked tremendously hard. 
Um, they've been uh, super accepting of coaching. Like they want to be coached. They're texting me at night. Hey, on this play, how could I play this better? Hey, what can we call to get into a better position here? You know, um, and, and I'm being serious when I say they, they love each other. Like they spend time with each other all the time. And I've never asked them to do that. They just do it. They go out and get extra workouts together all the time. They go and, hey, y'all want to just get a little lift to go do some like stretching, maybe go do some yoga, whatever. Like they do that as a group all the time. It's, you, we have a group chat and they'll be like, hey, let's go to CC's tonight, you know, at six. Like who can make it? You know what I mean? And so when you have a unit that is is bought into the success of each other um, and that, uh, that want to work hard, they're not just cool with being friends. They want to work hard and go, excuse me, go succeed. Um, the ceiling's high. Right. Because now you got a unit that's bought in to, to go in and accomplishing great things together. And that's one of the attributes you look for in a team in general. Um, there's a lot of versatility in the group. Um, guys that can play multiple positions that are willing to play multiple positions. Guys that, you know, have a high IQ. Um, and honestly, there was a lot of athleticism in the backfield, um, which I was, I was very uh, pleasant to see. Uh, and then you 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 uh, inherited one of the better shakers in the conference in Dylan Buckheit. Uh What 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 have you seen out of him um, this spring? Maybe from a leadership standpoint, I know that was something that um, the previous staff had kind of touched on, wanting him to be more vocal there as a as a leader. Uh, what have you seen from him at, uh, this past spring in that regard? Yeah, um, Buckeye's been good. He's I call him the Buck and Bronco. Uh, <laughs> it just fits. Um, he's actually the first DB, possibly even the first player I talked to when I got here. And so we sat in my office and just had a good conversation and just kind of talked about how things have been, um, where he thinks we need to improve as a group and um, kind of, you know, just filling me in on how things were and honestly told me what he wanted. Not from a, I want you to coach me this way, but he's like, I want you to push us. We want to be coached. We want to be challenged. We want you know, we want to be held accountable. You know what I mean? Things like that. And it's obviously Tom has shown me like that wasn't just him showing face to the new position coach. Like that's that is what he desires. You know what I mean? He's I never have to ask him to work hard. You know what I mean? Sometimes I have to tell him to stop trying to do too much. <laughs> it's like, hey, trust your teammates to do their job. I know you want to do everything, but, you know, trust them. They, they, they're go- they need stat. They're going to get some stats too. <laughs> make sure you make your plays. Um, <laughs> But, you know, he's he's just always been a, a good vocal leader for us. Um, he works extremely hard. He wants to learn the scheme. He's he's confident enough to teach other people what's going on, um, even guys that he's still battling for a position because the reality is we came in with no starters, right? Like, we don't know anybody when we first come in. And so he's still helping other guys learn what's going on in the defense. Um, and so, I mean, he, he's been awesome. He's been a great example, and it's – in it's been fun to help him try to grow as a leader as well and push him in different ways. It's like, you're doing these things. Great. Now it's time to take it to the next level. Now I need you doing these things. Like I need, you know what I mean? Like this is taking you to that next step. That's going to help you once you get done here. And so um, again, he's, he's been a, a really good football player, but he's also been great in so many different areas that don't necessarily involve the boom balls been snap, go play. Um, that's been very helpful and honestly very refreshing. Uh, and then another guy, uh, um, Jonathan Mosley, who's kind of a hybrid guy last year in the scheme. Uh, I think he, he's now a, a defensive back fully this year. Uh, what have you seen out of him in the uh, this, uh, this this past spring? Um, well, obviously a lot of size. Um, 
he's a he's a he's a big good looking kid. Um, super highly intelligent. Um, same thing. Student of the game wants to know everything that's going on within within the scheme. Wants to know, uh, you know, the different variables that can happen on film. Um, same same thing. I kind of talked about with Buckeye. Just sometimes he's he's trying to get everybody right. I'm just like, hey, I, I just let me coach him. You just keep doing your job, do it at a high level. So then I can say, hey, you know, whoever else, make sure you're doing this. You see how he's fitting. You need to fit off him. You know, things like that. And so. I mean, he's worked really hard. The same thing. He wants to be coached. He wants to be challenged. He wants to be, you know, pushed as a person, not just as a football player. Um, and so it, same thing that I talked about with Buckeye. Like, it, it's been good to have him because he's not afraid to be a leader. He's not afraid to be vocal. He's not afraid to organize things. Um, and the more guys you have like that in a in a healthy capacity, the better the group's going to be. Because when you have a bunch of guys that are waiting to be told things to do or waiting to, or for you to organize everything, um, it can become a struggle, right? And so – the fact that I have a few guys in there that are willing to go be those vocal leaders and be the example and, and lead, um, it, it's been good. Uh, and and another one of those guys, uh, Kobe Stevens, when, I, when, 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 he, when he came on, he mentioned he wanted to be more of a leader, wanted to be more vocal now that he has some experience under his belt. Uh, have you seen that out of him this this spring? And, and are you are you liking where he's headed uh, from a progression standpoint? Um, yes, I have seen it. Uh, obviously, I don't know how he was last semester or excuse me, in the fall. Um, so I don't have, you know, a baseline to compare it to. Um, that was one of the things that I talked to him about is, you know, you're a guy that's shown to be versatile. You can play multiple positions. You're athletic. You work hard. You're strong. Um, you know, what I mean, you look and act like a football player. And so now just trying to take those leadership skills. You know, one of the things Coach Doyle talks about is there's no such thing as leading by example. You're either leading or you're not. Leaders are the example, right? So you're not leading by example and just saying, oh, I'm a lead by example guy. No, that just means you're doing your job. That's what everybody should be doing. So leading is actually leading people. That's being vocal. That's pushing people. That's challenging people. That's doing the uncomfortable things. Um, and, and so it's for him, it's about getting consistent because at the end of the day, he was still a freshman in the spring, right? He played more than some guys, but he was in high school year year before. And so um, getting him more comfortable with um, really pushing guys being vocal as far as establishing the standard of, of how we say we're going to operate uh, as a unit, as a defense, as a team. Um, but I mean, again, he's, he's even throughout the semester, he has grown. Um, and he's one of those guys that during the summer, he's, you know, hitting guys up like, Hey, let's go get some extra field work. Let's go do this. Let's go do this. Um, and so I think the next progression for him is, is like I said, getting those, having those tougher conversations, really getting after guys when we need to, um, because Kobe's a cool kid in the room. So, you know, he just kind of sits back with his big puffy hair, just likes to, you know, look cool. And so I told him, I was like, listen, you can be cool and still, you know, put your foot in somebody's behind every now and then. But <laughs> it's about figuring out that balance. And um, you want guys to be uncomfortable, but you don't want to force them to do anything. You know what I mean? It's um, And so it's trying to figure out that balance of what he's – getting him out of his comfort zone, but not trying to force him to be somebody he's not – been taught to be or someone he's not prepared to be, which is my job to teach him what that looks like. And so he's moving in the right direction. He, he ain't there yet, but he's getting in the right direction. Now, I, I, I remember uh, on Twitter there when you retweeted the the, the episode, you mentioned something about how he couldn't out bench press you. Now, I, I just, mm -hmm. has, has that been settled yet? Will that be settled? Because I'm really curious to see who acts is going to win that. Because I feel like Kobe's going to, you know, I mean, he can't not you know, 
like accept the challenge. He called the man out. You know, I just. Yeah, well, first off, he he learned real quickly. I'm operating on grown man's strength. Like, I don't look as good as him, but you throw the weight on, it's moving. Um, and it wasn't just bench. I can outlift him in squat and power clean too, but that's just – but we're talking about bench, so I'm going to leave it there. Uh, he might be closer at this point because I haven't been working out as consistency and as consistently, and he – I mean, he works out really hard. And so, I mean, if he keeps lifting and eating the way he has been, he should be able to pass me up here pretty soon. But in the spring, when he thought he was working hard, I got in there with him and Wicks, and I said, all right, y'all think y'all lifting. We, we about to lift. <laughs> and it was – I mean, but it was fun. It was like, – and it's – I think that was part of – that's something I enjoy doing because I want the my guys to see that. Like, hey, I'll get in there with you some. Like, I did not run with them. I will admit I did not run. But I was like, <laughs> I'll get in here with you. And, you know, when I'm pushing them, it's like, no, put more on. And then I'm lifting it with them. You know what I mean? And so it's – one, I want them to see, you know, that competitive side of me – push them to challenge themselves, but also be in it with them. And I would always, and there's a few other guys I lifted with sometimes, but I would joke with them. I say, I would say, you've arrived whenever I get in the rack with you. Cause that means you're strong enough to lift with me. And so it's uh, just a little trash talk to, and again, just picking up the competitive juices. You got to compete and um, push the competitiveness. So it was, it's been fun. Uh, and then the, the, the final player I wanted to uh, touch on Trayvon Craig. Uh, Trayvon Craig is a guy um, his his redshirt freshman year, he was like you. He was a course muscle teamer, really good one. Uh, last year, he ended up moving into a starting role. I believe at nickel was really good uh, in that role. Made made plays in the running pass game. Uh, what have you learned about Trayvon uh, in the in the in the spring, and what do you like most about his game? Um, well, one of the things that is <clears throat> funny, I was talking to somebody about today, is he told me because. Coming into it, like, I don't know any of the kids. Like, I don't – and I told them, I was like, I don't assume any of you will do anything until you show me you will. And we were doing, like, a little tackling drill, and it was, you know, on, on like, a little bag or something. I was like, hey, I really want to see you come with violence. Like, we're doing it on a bag so you can come with violence. I want to make sure that you're going to – he's like, man, you don't make that tackle. And I was like, I don't know anything about you. And he was like, coach, I'm the most physical DB you got. And I said, all right, show me. And he showed me pretty quick. He was the most physical guy in the room. I mean, he was fearless. I mean, there was one time he took on an old lineman and knocked him backwards. I was like, all right, all right. <laughs> and so, and I, and I think he's, because he, and it's funny because a lot of these guys, they they hang out together, right? And he he fits the mold of everybody else that I said. Like, he's, he's very physical. He's tough. Like, he loves the game. He has a high football IQ. He has a feel for the game. Um, he loves it. You know, I mean, he's super competitive and it, and it goes back to what I said originally. He's so, so competitive that he's going to do everything he can to go put himself in a position, to be successful um, because he wants to play, the, be on the field. Just like every every competitive person, they want to be on the field. And he's he's making sure to get extra film and he's asking to learn other positions and he's doing whatever we ask him to and doing it, you know, to his best ability because he wants to play in the fall. Um, and again, it's he's he's going to play a big role for us because he's. He's just always around the ball. He's wreaking havoc. He's making tackles. He's, you know, taking on blockers and, and knocking them backwards. And, and again, he just doesn't have any quit in him. And now that he's out of wrestling and been in the weight room a little bit more, he's put on a little bit more weight, he's put on some muscle. Um, and so he's looking good right now. And so, I mean, again, he's just one of those guys that he, he pushes the room. Um, he challenges people to be better. Um, he refuses to lose. And so, I mean, he's, again, he's just one of those guys you want in your room. Um, I guess my, my final 
my final football edit question for you. What would be what what do you need to see most out of your unit heading into fall camp? Uh, I would still say consistency. Um, and I told them uh, it's they've made strides in the direction that we need to get in. But I wouldn't say it's who we are yet. And I think when it becomes who we are, that's when you really start to building off things. That's when you can bring in a transfer or a JC kid or a uh, high school kid. And they, they see the, the standard that has already been set. Um, they want that to be who we are. Um, and they're doing everything we can to get there. And it's just taking time. We just have to be, you know, again, consistent doing the things that we've seen throughout the spring that have helped us be successful in practice in the weight room, in the classroom with nutrition, um, with feeling good every day about mobility, um, you know, preventing injuries. Now it's just about, is that who we are every day? Is that is that how we're going to carry ourselves on a day to day basis or is that just when football's actually around? Is it just in the springtime when we're getting a spring ball? Is it just when fall camp comes around or is that you 24, 7, 365 um, each and every one of you? And so um, I think that, again, consistency is still the biggest thing for me is will we show up every day with the same mindset, with the same attitude, with the same intensity um, and do the things that we're supposed to be doing off the field to prepare for that? Um One of the things that I was reading a book recently and one of the biggest things I took from it was the value of preparation over expectation. It doesn't matter what we expect. Expectation gets you nothing. Right. It's the level of preparation that you put in that your expectations become reality. Right. And so, again, just having an understanding that we can expect all these things and we can say we want to be this group. I want to be this player. We want to be this defense. But if we are not preparing ourselves and putting in the work daily, then we will never get to that point. And so, again, um, just making sure that we're consistent in attacking the day. I mean, being the best that we can be every single day and stacking those days up. Uh, and I know we we touched on this uh, before we started, but you you just recently got back. You were with the Panthers for the Bill mm-hmm. Walsh uh, of, um, fellow fellowship. What was that? What was that experience like for you? And what were some of the, the the things that you can take away from that and now use on your defensive background? Um, I think. Well, first, one of the biggest realizations, and I, I say realizations, but one of the things that just reminds me, um, is football is football. You know, they're getting onto their guys for the same things that we've gotten on our guys for all spring. You know, they're these guys are getting paid millions of dollars. And obviously I was on the defensive side and they're yelling at them about not running to the ball, about not communicating the coverage, about not looking over, getting the call, about not playing with good leverage. You know what I mean? And so and and these are all things that we were talking to our guys about all spring. Hey, continue to communicate, get to the ball. Hey, play with good leverage. You know what I mean? Things like that. And so it's at the end of the day, football is football. And I think it's just they get more time. Right. We get more time than high school coaches. They get even more time than us because their job all day, every day is just football. And there's an expectation of you're going to learn this playbook or else you're gone. Your paychecks end. Right. So there's a little bit more leeway for us. But um, I think also just. One of the things that I always try to pick up on, whether it's, you know, doing the Walsh internship, whether it's going and sitting in with a coach at another school is how do they teach? How do they get the information across? How are they, you know, trying to be effective, you know, um, and then just talking to you know, or, or listening to the head coach there, just how they break down how they're getting across the information. You know what I mean? And, and he talked about the the four, and I don't have to look back in my notes, but it was like the four different phases of football. It was like physical, mental, technical, and tactical. 
And they broke down what all of that looked like and just based like this. When we're doing this, this is what we're working. When we're doing this, this is what we're working. And so um, just again, just uh, just figuring out a, the most efficient way, the best way to teach guys in my room um, so that they can go compete at a high level. Um, and just, again, trying to get them to absorb as much information and play as fast and fearless as possible. Um, and so just, just again, just picking up more better ways to teach is, is really the, the, the biggest thing that I, that I've gotten from it. Um, well, before I get you out of here, we do this with all the new guests, kind of get to know you type questions. So, uh, your favorite sports team. I got to go with the Houston Astros. Okay. You have, you have a favorite, favorite player on the Astros? Right now it's Jose Altuve. He's got a little man syndrome and I love it. He's he's just an overachiever. He's he's what you call an outlier. Everything about him says he shouldn't be a pro baseball player, but he is, and he's he's one of the best. And so it's I love him. Okay. See, uh, your your favorite hobby outside of football? Um, I'm a bit of a foodie, so I love going out to eat. Um, I've recently got more into golf, and it's it's kind of therapeutic, but it's also challenging because I suck. Um, and so it's, it's fun to go out there cause it's, it's, it's seeing the strides that I've taken over time, right? Just challenging myself again. I'm not good. So when I make a good hit, trying to like mentally build that muscle memory and try to figure out how to do it again, multiple, you know, like I talked about stacking those days, trying to stack a good, good day every day. I usually don't, but if I can, <laughs> if I can continue to make improvements, I, I'll be happy. Uh, and you mentioned you're a foodie. So do do you do you have a favorite food? So my favorite genre is Mexican. Um, and Houston got some bomb Mexican spots. Uh, my favorite like food, if I had to pick, it probably be wings. I love wings. Wings. Okay. Bone now, in. If it's okay. boneless, that is not wings. <laughs> That's saucy nuggets. <laughs> saucy nuggets. That's a new one. Saucy nuggets. Uh, now, is there a certain way that you like your wings, though, like barbecue, honey barbecue? Does it, is there a certain sauce? Um, one, I like lemon pepper, but Wingstop has the best lemon pepper. And I, I feel like I can get it from anywhere but Wingstop or it just disappoints me. Uh, I do like kind of like fusion flavors. So, like, I do like kind of like a little spicy Asian style or like there's a hot wings, a local spot out here. Um, again, recruits come check it out. Uh, it's uh, Eddie's barbecue. It's like a buffalo barbecue mix, and it's like you get the smoky barbecue taste with a little hint of that buffalo. It's fire. Okay. And, and for tacos, are we 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 a hard hard shell or soft shell? I'm more of a soft shell guy, but every now and then I need a little bit of that crunch. Okay. Okay. See, I can go soft shell because I usually get chips and queso. Okay. Okay. Well, it, it, it didn't make sense. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see your your favorite musical artist. So it's been J. Cole for a while. And so that's what I'm going to stick with. Um, and it's funny is I don't even always listen to him. I just kind of like it depends on what mood I mean, because I'm really an R&B guy at my at my core. And so but I got way too many R&B artists. I listen to them, just pick a favorite. So I just go with my favorite rap artist is still J. Cole. OK, now, do, do you do you have a favorite song? I don't. I don't. I, I still like his his earlier out his mixtapes, like the warm up and Friday Night Lights. Like I, I can jam those. I still jam those all day. But um, I, I obviously, I still listen to his new stuff. But I don't really have a favorite song. Well, 
Now I know your uh, one of your 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 DBs, Jaleek Lewis. When he came on, he mentioned he's a big R and B guy. Now, have you have you ever chopped it up yet about R and B? Because I know it's kind of like a Mary J. Blas that type of R and B. So, like, what where, where do where do you kind of fall <clears throat> on the R and B spectrum? See, I think he's like a fake R and B guy, <laughs> and we haven't had a debate yet. I was messing with him about it. And I, when he said Mary J. Blige, I was like, he probably going to say his favorite song is Real Love. And he did. And I was just like, see, that's how you know you're not a real one. If you're not talking about Lauren Hill or Frankie Beverly and Maze or Earth, Wind and Fire or, you know, you know I was just like, man, you just you just talking, man. You just want to be part of the crowd. No, but we'll uh, I'm, I'm going to chop it up with him and see what he's talking about. We'll see. We're going to have a little jam session one day. I'm, we're going to put a playlist together, something just for me and him. <laughs> Uh, I'm on it for real. I'm on that R and B for real, for real. <laughs> now you, now you said that you you grew up close to Houston. So I, mm-hmm. I asked Coach Donald this question: Were you into the local, you know, rap scene down there? The uh, DJ Screw, Fat Pat, all of that. But were, were you kind of you kind of into that? Yes, yes. <laughs> See, here's the thing: some people say they like Houston music, and they just name the ones that everybody knows. I mean, if you ain't listening to Diamond and Wood by UGK, if you're not jamming all the Lil Kiki, Slim Thug, Paul Wall, Fat Pat, DJ Screw, Big Pokey, like if you're not listening to all of them, then it don't really count. Like Trey the Truth, like if you didn't get the ABN albums, then you're not really listening to Houston music. That's just Lil Flip. I'm not playing with it. I listen to all of them. This is good. See, because I, I recently got into it maybe a few years ago, and there's like nobody here. I mentioned DJ Screw, I mentioned Big Pokey, and I just get blank stares. So it's good yeah. to have somebody that kind of understands that. Because to me, it's like a it's a it's a different vibe. It's it's like it's uh it has soul to it. it it's it's not not you know like hollow, shallow like some of the mainstream. It seems to have more mm-hmm. you know it's melodious. Right, right. Um, so, okay, so so, so do, do you have a favorite, uh, like, Houston rapper song? Man, that's tough. Because <clears throat> there's so many. I've actually started doing a playlist of just Houston rappers. Um, man. Dominant Woods, still one of my favorite. You got to listen to it. If you haven't listened to that one, you got to listen to it. It's by UGK with Pimp C and B, uh, Bun B. Uh, Chunk Up the Deuce has always been one of my favorites. Most of the Don is a Houston anthem. Uh, Still Tipping by Slim Thug. That's a good one. Man. It's, it's a lot of them. I don't. <laughs> All these songs run through my head. <laughs> so many. Uh, let's see. Okay. Your uh, favorite TV show? Um, Right now I'm watching Blacklist. I, I'm not gonna lie. I love like conspiracy theory shows, mystery shows, like because that's right up my avenue. Uh, I watch The Office on repeat. Uh, if I had to really pick one, I'd say The Office. But I've like rewatched the Bernie Mac show multiple times. I love the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. I've watched that all the way through multiple times. Uh, yeah, if I had to pick one, I'd say The Office. And I didn't actually start liking that show until I worked in a corporate office. And then it became hilarious because I was like, I worked with all these people. <laughs> uh, let's see. Okay. Uh, do you have a, a pre-game routine that you normally do? 
So it's and it's funny. I've heard other people say it, it kind of changes everywhere you go because sometimes that pregame routine looks different how, based on how it's organized. Um, so like when I was at Trinity, I used to go out and do some pregame stuff with my guys. That was just very simple. Um, and it was something that we weren't going to work in like true pregame that we just go out early and do. Um, and I had a ritual wearing like we had a defensive shirt made and I would wear that out there and I just stand out on the field and just kind of like take it all in. Uh, at TCU, I was heavily involved in recruiting. So I, I, my pregame ritual is usually going out and, you know, meeting kids and being with their family and showing them around and hanging on the sideline with them, making sure they can shake hands with some of the guys. Um, one, of the, Two of the things that I usually always do is I try to find a time where I can just kind of sit in silence by myself. Um, just kind of get like, you know, the calm before the storm, kind of get my mind right. And I always like to go out on the field um, early on. So like even when I was at TCU, before recruits came, I'd always go and sit on the bench on the sideline with like my headphones on and just like just watch. Um, and I think it's just. It, I don't know, it's just something just being able to just sit there and just see, you know, the kids kind of just getting loose, unwinding, relaxing, being on the field, throwing the ball around and just kind of taking it all in before it's time to really get uh, get after it. And, and now during your playing days, were you one of these guys that was big on 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 gear or were you just a basic, just give me a helmet, some shoulder pads, and let me go out there and play? So early on, I was big on gear. Once I got swole, I wasn't as big on gear. So like my last two years, I always wore leggings, but that was more so because I hated that tan on my legs. Um, so during games, I always just t- uh, taped up my wrist and then I just had my arms out. Because again, I was, I was pretty big at that point. So it was good for the photos. And so by the end of it, I, I really didn't do too much. I didn't like my visor because I couldn't breathe in it. And so I was pretty, I was pretty plain Jane, just went with the clean look. Uh, right. uh, I guess my final question would be, uh, do you have a message to, to those that may still be on the fence uh, about coming to give you all a, a, a shot this year about what they can expect if they were to come see you all play? Um, yes, and, and it's part of it's going to sound a little cliche because we talk about it all the time. It's, it's our um, standards as a team. It's, you're going to see a team that's selfless. You're going to see a team that's tough. And you're going to see a team that's disciplined. Um, and as cliche as it may sound, the reality of it, when you see teams winning at a high level, those are three things that they have. They're selfless. They do their job. They play hard for each other. They put in the work. Usually in the offseason, which leads to the season. They're tough. They don't give up. You know what I mean? They're from whistle to whistle. They're going as hard as they can for each other. Um, they get into the ball. They're, they're finishing blocks. They're finishing tackles. Um, and then discipline, um, not beating themselves. And, and they're, again, doing their assignment. Um, they're trusting each other. Um, they're not getting dumb penalties. And, and they're playing a high level of football. I think it's going to be exciting to watch. I think you're going to see a group that truly, genuinely care for each other, love each other. Um, and I think you're going to see a lot of fun football being played on the field. Um, the guys are putting in more work than, from what I hear, than they have in the past. Um, and I think there's just a new energy and new excitement. Um, and I think you're going to see that sustained throughout the season um, because this is just how that group is. This is who they are. It's not a facade. They've shown it to us all the way since January. And so I don't see any reason for it to slow down by the time we get to the fall. So um, it'll be a fun product on the field. That's for sure. Well, Coach, I appreciate you taking time this evening to come on and talk to me. I'm wishing you and your unit the best of luck uh, heading into fall camp the rest of the off season and, and really looking forward to seeing what your unit does uh, this this season that I'm excited about the talent that you inherited that you added I'm really looking forward to the unit and uh, you're more than welcome to come back on here at uh, any 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 time and uh, chop it up with me 
All right, man. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you, Coach. Yes, sir. So again, I want to thank Coach McGuire for taking time to come on there. That was that was a really good interview. I'm really excited about where the secondary is headed. Uh, I think, like I said, I think he mentioned there's a lot of athletic guys there. I think this is a unit that the talent, the talent is there. I, I, we got to get, like, like he mentioned as well, get more consistent. But I, I was glad to see that the growth of Dylan Buckhide, Trayvon Craig, and Kobe Stevens is is there. You're also returning Raekwon Wicks when we had that game when he picked there in the season opener. So I'm looking forward to seeing his unit again as a very talented freshman class. Uh, Curtis Wilson, Delete Lewis, uh, Makai Belt, Aaron Hamilton. It's a very good, very good group of defensive backs that he's brought in there. And so I'm looking forward to seeing that. That probably will be the last one for the week. Uh, we will have one next week should have one uh, next week with the offensive lineman. Okay, now this is this is this is a position I, I've been. We, we we know the struggles. If you followed the team last year, you know the struggles up front. And so I'm very glad I was able to secure the services of the offensive line, seeing how the offensive line coach uh, is Coach Adam Doyle himself, who again we are saving until we get to talk to him before the season starts. So I'm very glad to uh, secure the services there of an offensive lineman. So be on the lookout for that. Should be dropping Monday of next week. Plan to get that recorded here in the coming days. I'm also going to reach out to uh, a man that uh, that is currently playing professionally in one of the, one of the leagues with UCO Ty. See if we can get him to come on as well. So uh, just again, be on the lookout. Stay tuned. We will definitely have one episode coming for you next next week. Uh, so until that time, my name is Jonathan Goodo, aka JG Smooth. I'll talk to you all later.